Evan, guess what? What? I'm revoking your host privileges for this episode. Yeah, I don't know how to be a guest on this podcast. I gen like as a human, I know how to talk and answer questions, but it feels very bizarre. It feels like this is a, such a bizarre metaphor. It feels like I've been like I, I'm a child in a family, and I've been asked for so long to help babysit the younger children while the parents were gone, and now all of a sudden the parents are back, and I have to go back to just being a child. It's weird. Did this happen with your younger sister a lot? No, God, no. <laughs> God, no. No, 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 no. They never would have put me in charge of anything. That's probably a good choice. It just, yeah, no, it would not have worked out well. Well, at the start of this, I'm going to forefront with this because it's you, that there might be some language. <laughs> no, no, look, I, and I think if you check the transcripts of the past handful of of episodes You've been pretty out. good. I've, I've been pretty good. And it's not that I've been intentionally trying to censor myself. I just, it, I've been pretty good. Um, so sure, it's me. There, there, there is the more than slight possibility that I use some colorful language and or colorful metaphors here. I th- it's probably more likely that I take the conversation in directions that touch on adult themes more so than I use explicit language. That feels like a fair thing to say. And that is our warning. So let's start off with, although I hope our listeners know some of these facts about you by now, your name, your socials, your house, and your favorite character. So hi, everyone. My name is Steven. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here on Creating Magic today. Thank you for having me, Danny. I am a proud Hufflepuff. I do not know nearly enough about the Ilvermorny houses to ascribe my traits to any one of those. What were the other questions? Your favorite character. I, I'm sure I've given this answer on the podcast at some point. I honestly couldn't tell you like what I said then. I, I, could, I, like, I feel like sometimes characters change. Ab- absolutely. So is there I, someone I, I, that you're just drawn to at the moment? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's probably the better way of, of describing it. Because I don't necessarily think I've ever had a favorite character. I mean, growing up, I very much, before I before I was old enough to think about literature critically, I very much loved Harry. And that's not to say I don't now, but I loved Harry because you're supposed to love Harry. Uh, he's the predominant character. He's the protagonist. He's the one in the Bildens Roman novel, right? It, I loved Harry. I would say now... Huh. Yeah. You know, I I really enjoy reading a lot of Ron, particularly because I think JKR is very adept at dropping a lot of prescient truths into Ron's narrative. And he Ron kind of passes them off as his little half-assed jokes or witticisms. But a lot of things he says end up holding a lot more, you know, carrying a lot more water than you would assume given Ron just kind of being an ass and just speaking his mind. Um, so I, right now, as you asked me this at, you know, 7.15 p.m. on the day that we're recording, I, I would probably go with Ron. With that definition, do you feel like you relate to Ron in some of these aspects? 
Hopefully, I, I as as you asked, as I saw the question formulating kind of on your screen, or right, I could see you kind of the wheels turning in your head there. It kind of hit me because I, I don't think I put any thought into this before uh, as I'm speaking now. Yeah, probably. I mean, I I would probably argue that I tend to disguise a lot more of my thoughts with just lowbrow humor and witticisms, whereas I think that's just Ron's level that he's on and like no shots at Ron. Um, right. I, I, I definitely think I, I use my sarcasm and my wit as I don't want to say a disguise, but as, as a, as a vehicle to convey my points more so, whereas I think that's just who Ron is. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, growing up, Again, once I got to the point where I was able to view the books as more than just, oh my God, this is Harry, I am Harry, I'm reading the books from Harry's POV, I very much felt like a Ravenclaw because at the end of the day, which might be hard for the listeners to believe, I am fairly smart. I'm not trying to brag or toot my own horn here, but I, I'm, I'm a very intellectually driven, organized mind. Um, and and at least I'd like to think that everything I do has a point, right? I'm not just doing things for the sake of doing things. And so I very much always felt like a Ravenclaw. And that was definitely kind of where my, where I felt very natural and comfortable. And actually I think kind of in a, a, a parable that I think translates nicely into what we're going to talk about tonight. Through, through going to Universal as an adult when I lived in Florida, like I remember the first time I went to Universal as an adult when I first moved down to Florida in early 2018, or it was late 2017, it was summer of 2017. I was very nervous. I remember texting a couple of my friends being like, um, cause I was going by myself. I was like, do I wear Harry Potter clothes there? Cause like, I don't want to stand out. Right. I'm a single older looking, you know, mid, young to mid twenties guy going to like a theme park. It's going to have a lot of kids in it. I'm not trying to look like, you know, you, you know, I'm not trying to fit that stereotype, that general, that generalizing stereotype. And then of course I got there and that couldn't have been any further from the truth. Right. So going to universal, I started to feel very much wrapped in the franchise and accepted and part of this universe. And then of course, getting to know all of the people through Harry Potter community, it's just, that's been, you know, amplified exponentially. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, learn you know feeling the communal even at the point when i was going to universal by myself there's still the the larger community that's out of the parks right getting to just feel welcomed and accepted as part of that community even though i wasn't interacting with anybody right definitely allowed me to just feel more open about who i am and what i feel and how i feel and for as intellectually driven as i think i am intellectually curious as i believe i am I am also just bizarrely strange and silly and frivolous and all of these things. And so I, th- I think it was going to the parks through this experience and just getting to live and breathe in the world that took away a lot of that. And it's written into the books, right? A lot of that anti Hufflepuff vibe. Right. And it sort of just opened up that world to me a little more. I was like, Oh, I can do this and I can be accepted, but, 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 you know, like kind of that whole thing where it's, it's okay to be, it's not just okay to be a Hufflepuff, but you can be proud of it and love it and embrace it and accept it. And so the, the day of reckoning, if you will, then I promise I'll shut up. You know, I was at the parks with one of my best friends, um, Shannon Walsh, who I know, Danny, you, you got to meet. Um, 
we were at the parks together. It was just, it was a cold day at, it was like January. And so if I mean, cold is relative for Florida, but it was a cold day. And I was just in khaki shorts and a t-shirt. And I was like, I kind of want to buy a sweatshirt and I'm cold. And so I went into the shop that is right outside of um, the escape from Gringotts, that shop that's connected to the ride. Right. Um, and there was one with Raven the really Claw awesome ceiling. The one with the really awesome Oscar ceiling. astronomy ceiling. Yes. Um, with the, the, Oh, what's the, the, the something Laius astrolabe with the astrolabe that's up there. Um, but yeah, there was the Ravenclaw sweatshirts and there was the Hufflepuff sweatshirts and I had to make a choice, right? I, you know, and in that moment I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so I, you know, ever, lit, quite literally ever since that random morning in January of 2018, um, that's definitely, that's, that's been where my, my head and my heart are at. And, and so, yeah, I am a Hufflepuff is the shortest of the shortest way of answering that very long answer. So for one, I agree with your intellectual side. That is all very valid from what I know of you. And we've known each other for a few years now, so I believe I'm correct. Prior to that, had you ever taken one of the house sorting tests? Yes. So the first, you know, I did the original Pottermore sorting quiz, I got Ravenclaw. And then I think it was right around 2017, maybe 2016. I forget the exact timing of it, but there was that, I say big in quotation marks, but there was that big moment when the algorithm and the, the questions and everything that went into Pottermore RIP changed. Um, and I took it again because it changed and I got Hufflepuff. And I was like, but sure. I, you know, I, I don't think houses live in mutual exclusivity or binaries where you are only one and you don't embody traits of the other. So I was like, okay, the quiz tells me this, but no, I'm still, a, I, I still ascribe to Ravenclaw. And then the long ass story that I just told, you know, happened like a year later. So I'm not going to ask you to rehash your Harry Potter story because we have talked about that a few times throughout our 30 plus episodes of this podcast. But the reason we are having this discussion today is you are starting something new. And I would like to hear about that. Are we talking about the hair growth product that I'm starting or something else? I don't know if hair growth product is going to help you out. Okay. Look, I'm not, uh, that's not, that's not a thing I'm doing. I am slowly <laughs> embracing my baldingness and eventually it's all going to go. But, but no, I, look again, that's the sarcasm that we're talking about from before. Yeah. So I, I have decided over the past couple months to start this new venture um, out on my own. Um, pretending he's beside. I was me. waiting for it. I knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm starting a new podcast, independent of creating magic, but in no way a competitor of, replacement for, or, or in any way, uh, in any way in the ether of what we do here at creating magic. And uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm more than happy and I'm, I'm really excited and thankful that you gave me the opportunity to do this and uh, to talk about the pin pod. So let's start with where the idea came from and why you want to have this specific niche of a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those answers come from the same place. So I'll speak first about kind of 
what I'm trying to do with the podcast. And then I'll talk about kind of personally what it means for me. You know, one of the things that I noticed that I've gotten deeper into the pin community over the past couple of months, predominantly due to the amazing friendship that I have with, with Amy and, and Iana, Amy, of course, um, uh, Witherwings wears nerd fashionista, the, the fingers that you see on the big fat lanyard live sales and, and Iana nerd pinsta, an amazing travel photographer. Um, and, and, and also one of the large presences at big fat uh, lanyards, you know, they've definitely got me hooked on this. Um, but one of the things I realized early on was there are so many designers and creators out there who are making amazing fantasy pins whether it's Disney or Harry Potter, or certainly external to, to these two kind of realms, but those are the two that I, I you know, traffic in. Um, and it's really hard to keep up with all of the new designs, new pins, you know, shop restocks, pre-sales, all of that. Um, there are Facebook groups, the, the Accio Potter pins, the Disney, you know, Disney uh, pin traders. Like, there's so many great groups. But the problem for me with Facebook groups is comments get lost so easily. Threads get lost so easily because you've got thousands of people and you go to look for a post and it's been bumped by something, you know, because if someone comment, you know, Facebook is a great forum to discuss all these things, but it's so easy to get, have, you know, have threads get lost. Instagram's also great. Instagram is a great way to learn about pins, but you have to just be lucky enough to be following the accounts because if you're not following the accounts and they drop something at five, you, you, you miss it altogether. So that, that, that's one piece of, of kind of the, the, the problem that I noticed. I think the other thing, the, I guess there's three things, right? So the second thing is one of, the, one of the unintended consequences, I think, of all of these limited edition drops and special releases and pre-sales and all of that is that this community of people who are buying, trading, and selling pins, which is a vibrant, wonderful, massive community, becomes so hyper-competitive, right? Because if it drops at five, you better hope that your, your Wi-Fi and your IP address and all that gets through by 501, otherwise you've lost the pin. And people, I, I, I don't want to speak in too much of a general generalization, but I think this is true from my experience. What I've seen is people get super pissed off if they don't get a pin. And they turn that disappointment, not all the time, but a lot of time on the creator themselves. Hey, why didn't why didn't you make more of these? Oh, I can't believe I missed out on that. I'm never going to try to buy from this shop again. Blah 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 blah. And kind of the thought that sparked me here was I had a conversation with Stina from Lapels and Spells Laser Brain Patch Co. And and I'm not going to reveal the specifics, but she told me you know how much approximately she had spent on beans. The, the beans they're all the craze right now in the the Potter pin collecting community and Disney for that matter. She does some some Star Wars stuff. She's like, I, it's insane, right? Like people tell me I don't make enough. I say, I wish I could tell them how much I spent on these and, and how much went into all these. And so that's the second thing, right? Is there's this community that is all over the map in terms of how to fit, find out about pins and, and where to go to talk about them and learn about them. I think designers and creators put tons of effort and love and energy into making these things. And a lot of times the buyers just, it boils down to the pin that you could purchase in your cart you know, purchase done. That's it. Right. Buyers don't get to see all of the love, effort, time, and care that goes into making, designing, producing, and selling a pin. 
And then I think to a lesser extent, but still an, an important you know area I want to cover is the world is super intimidating. It really is, right? If you get on one of Amy's, you know, Amy and Iana and, and Marshall's, you know, big fat, you know, big fat live sales. I mean, they do a great job at explaining where pins are from and the, the provenance and, and the origin. But, you know, the first couple of times I got on, hey, guys, so we have this LE500 waffle back. It has, this is the pastel variant and it's from, you know, the, the WDI, right? There's all these acronyms. There's all these confusing jargon and terminology. And so the other thing I want to do is, you know, talk to some amazing collectors and I want to give people the chance to learn how to build their own collection, right? How to identify what pins have which value and how to, how to comparison shop and, 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 and how to navigate the world as someone who wants to buy pins, whether you want to buy 5,000 and have them displayed all across your house or whether you're just looking to, you really love the Lion King and you want to have a nice Simba Nala collection, right? Whatever it might be. So that's the, the opportunity I saw and what I'm trying to cover with the podcast. Now, as for me personally, and this is where I'm trying to, I think there's a tie-in from the Harry Potter story I told. Now, I always, I was a kid of the Disney Renaissance. Love, love, love. I mean, that was all we ever watched. We went to Disney World so many times as a family growing up. I, you know, I, I can't even keep track. Um, you know, very much someone who, who grew up on the Lion King, on Little Mermaid, on on Beauty and the Beast and the Pixar realm on Toy Story, right? Meant the world. I, I, I ran for office in college. It's for student government. And I did a whole campaign video. It was a parody of Let It Go, right? Disney is very much part of who I am, but I, I, I never e- exhibited any of that outwardly or, or and not that I was repressing it, but I just didn't even, I didn't even think about it as something I could engage in other than just movies I could watch on the screen. Um, or parks I could go to, you know, when you're in Florida. Um, you know, but the same way that I realized, like, hey, it, there's this whole Harry Potter fan community that you can live in and breathe in and go to conventions and rep your house and have Instagram and all this stuff, right? Pins very much have become the entryway for me to really get more engaged and back in love with so many of the Disney properties and the Pixar properties that I grew up loving. Um. And, you know, the, the other thing, the last thing I'll say on this soliloquy um, is, you know, I, I have an addictive personality. Um, I love collecting things. Like I grew up collecting a lot of sports memorabilia and autographs, political memorabilia. That's huge to me. And I love a good community. And, and the pin world has all three of those easily, right? It's, it's addictive. It's a community of people who know each other around the globe. Um, and you're collecting. Um, so, yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to use this podcast to talk to designers and, and hear from designers about all and creators about all their upcoming work and their shops and the inspiration that goes behind you know, each and every pin that they put forth to talk to collectors about how to build a collection and what these terms mean and what to look for, what to avoid, that sort of thing. Um, but also just as a way to, to, to really kind of exude my creativity um, you know, as we've covered on this podcast before, I'm not really creative in like the sense of how I would define creative in terms of like being able to produce any sort of visual art. I'm not, you know, I can't draw, I can't paint. I'm not someone who can come up with all these cool worlds in my head. You know, I, I, I don't cosplay. I, you know, I, I can't dance to save my life, you know, but 
this is my way of being creative, right? Is, is a business venture, you know, but centered around a fantasy property. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to kick this thing off and to get it going and yeah, it, it, it's going to be fun. I know you always say that you are not creative, but I think there's just this realm where your creativity kind of lies with almost storytelling and not by like being the person that creates a story, but that pulls the stories from other people that have found their way to express that creativity by like talking with the creators and how their process is. And I think that's kind of where your creative realm lies. Well, yeah, I I think that's right. I think my creativity lies in, in empowering actual, in my mind, what I would define as creative people to shine and share their stories. Yes. Um, You know, for me, I, you know, like I sang growing up and I was, I was a vocal performance major for a little bit in college and that's a huge part, but I'm not creative in the sense, like I'm not going to go and like, I'm not going to go design a pen. Cause I mean, look, I can talk conceptually about what I want, but I don't have the skills to actually put pen to paper. Right. I'm not creative in the sense of like, I'm not going to write fanfic. I am not going to cosplay. I, you know, I'm not creative in that sense. Right. I think my creativity lies in, well, let's, God, I sound like all those idiots in business school that I used to make fun of, right? Here's a, here's a niche opportunity in the market. How can I fill it in a way that is impactful and efficient? And, and that's what I'm trying to do. No, that makes sense. And that's also what we do through this podcast is that one of the reasons we're creating it is we wanted to share people's stories and who they are within the community, yeah, it, you know, it's funny. I know I'm here just to talk about the pin pod and just get all the hype for that. But one of the, I've known from the start of creating magic that what we were trying to do was just hear people's Harry Potter stories and what the series means to them. I didn't fully realize until actually probably pretty recently, like within the past, you know, three months or so, just hearing from people who listen, hearing from guests who've been on the podcast that, you know, there really isn't and this is not to say that what we're doing is outstanding. There's a lot of things we could obviously do better and we will continue to strive to do better, but there really isn't any other podcast that I've heard or that you've heard that is really dedicated to the core premise of hearing from the fan community about what this series means to them and how they've adapted it into their lives. You know, and, and, and that's not a shot at any other podcast that's in the Harry Potter space on what they're doing. I just, I was on board from the start, A, because you're my best friend. I'll do whatever you say. But B, because it seemed like a cool opportunity to talk about Harry Potter. And it's been recently where I've realized, oh, like, we, we've actually filled a niche in the market that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, and I think we've also helped to become a part of the community more actively and finding more people that have joined the community through it. Yeah, I, I think one of the really exciting things for me, and this is looking ahead, and I don't know if I'm looking ahead to eight months from now or 18 months from now, um, but whenever there's a new normal across the globe and we're able to go back to in-person events and conventions and meetups at the park, and you know, I, I, I've loved, <laughs> with the exception of one convention that we won't name here, 
I've loved every convention that we've been to. I've loved all of our experiences at Universal. They've all been great, but they very much have just been like, and this is no shots at Chelsea or Brandy or Lex or Katie, because like, obviously I love all of them with so much, you know, of me, but it's very much just been like, I know them and I'm kind of just waving at all the people that they know. Yeah. Whereas now I'm really excited to get to go to Leaky, to get to go to Emerald City, to get to go to Fan Expo in Dallas, to get to go to just the parks and to actually know people because like we've had them on the pod or because they're listeners to the pod. Like it's a whole different, it's opened up so many doors in terms of just getting to meet and hear from really cool people. And, and again, I really hope it's sooner rather than later, but I'm really excited to do that whenever that day comes. No, I'm, I'm also very excited for that future to happen. Would you ever consider, I know you said you can do things conceptually, but you wouldn't do, would you ever consider creating your own pins? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say no. I Look, in, in, in an idealistic world where the pin pod really makes an impact, right? I, I, I don't want it to be the sole source because I think that would just be, you know, that would be naive of me to assume. But what I really hope is that it becomes a gathering point for both the Disney and the Harry Potter pin communities for any sort of upcoming pin releases. I'm trying to to catch as many as I can across all the social media that I can find and share them in my stories on the pin pod. You know, I, I'm excited. I've already had tons of pin creators and small shops and things express interest in coming on the podcast and talking about either upcoming designs or just generally their shop. I want it to become like a central gathering point. Um, not the gathering point, because again, there's so many places that people get content. Um, and that's all great. I think the answer is yes to everything. Um, not not this, but not that. This, but, you know, that, but not this. Um, but I want it to be one way that people can find out, like, hey, I, I know that that the pin pod is going to have me covered. Yeah. Um, so in an ideal world, the podcast does very well. And, and it really becomes a place that it's not just me reaching out, but people reach out to me and say, hey, I've got this thing. Let's talk about it. So sure, down the road, you know, I, I have this amazing logo that Katie Yanni, the Harry Potter fan on Instagram, designed for me. Um, and she did an amazing, amazing job. And she also created a ton of different variants that I've got kind of stored up that I'm excited to share um, over the course of the coming months and years and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, in theory, absolutely. But uh, you know, I'm not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. Um, if I do it, it's going to be because I've got this community that that is there and actually wants it. Right? Um, again, I'm not I'm not in this to make money. I'm not in this to make a name for myself. Um, I'm I'm in this because I I recognize there's a hole in the community that exists and I'm trying to fill it with this with this product and if it does well enough and people are like, if people really feel like they ascribe to being part of the pin pod community. Sure. If at the end of the day, it's just me and I don't know, you know, me and you listening, then no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste any time or effort into doing that. Um, but you know, so long as there are people who, who, who are actively looking at the pin pod as a place to learn about the effort and time and care that goes into pins and, look at it as a place to find out about pins, then, then sure. And maybe you have not determined this yet, but is it going to be a weekly podcast? So 
I don't know. And I, I, I don't say I don't know because I haven't determined it. What, so, so the, the ask that I've been making to different shops and designers so far is, you know, if you have an upcoming design, let's record an episode about it and we can time the release for whenever you want, right? We can release it like a couple days before the drop of the pin. We can release it the day of the pin drop. We can release it if you don't care, or we can talk generally about your shop. So, you know, I certainly don't want to have episodes coming out five days a week. That's asinine. But like, for instance, I, I recorded an episode the other day with this amazing, amazing, amazing person who has this Kickstarter um, that has just captured my imagination. And the Kickstarter deadline is September 16th. And so I said, you know, well, what if we release the episode September 14th? And, you know, that's how I'm going to try to position a lot of the episodes is if you have a date that you want me to release it so it generates buzz either in the lead up to a deadline or a, or a pin drop, or if you've got something secretive that you don't want to talk about until a certain date, we can do that too. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what that means. That makes sense. And I'm sure you will keep us posted on what everything looks like. You do have the pin pods Instagram already active for people to go follow. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the pin pod on Instagram. And again, I can't, give enough gratitude and plot it to, to Katie at the Harry Potter fan who, and I don't know if she's actively soliciting any sort of work, but I'd be remiss if I didn't plug. Um, she's a graphic designer. Uh, she, she's a very, a very creative mind. Again, to my point earlier about, I couldn't draw or design anything to save my life. Like I told Katie, Hey, this is the premise of what I want to do. I, I wanted to be simple. Like I wanted to, to have some sort of symbolism around both Harry Potter and Disney, but I don't want it to be in your face and I don't want it to be over the top. She ran with it. Didn't have any more questions. All of a sudden I talked to her like what, like six, seven days later and she had this beautiful design. And, and again, go look at the pin pod, not just to look at the pin pod, which although you should follow, but to look at Katie's amazing work because it, it truly is exceptional and, and, you know, I've gotten lots of positive feedback about the logo and, and I give all of the, the credits, Katie, for that. So before we move into random questions, do you have anything else you want to say about the pin pod? Well, yeah, I guess a couple things is we're, we're working on music uh, right now. I'm working with Jordan Jackson, who y'all will know, if not by name, by by product. He does all of the music that you hear during Creating Magic episodes. Uh, I'm really excited to share what he's got in the works. Um, we had talked about a couple initial ideas, then he went away for like a week and a half. And all of a sudden, a couple nights ago, I got a text. He's like, hey, I have this idea. I don't want to go any further unless you tell me this is what you want. And he has put together this really cool theme song. Like it's got words. It's, it's, it's like an actual song. It's not, you know, it's not and so excited. No, like no shots of just normal quote unquote music that you hear, but like it's got words and it's a song and it's, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm really excited to share that. And, and again, Jordan is specs and things on, on Instagram. Um, again, I don't know if he's actively accepting any sort of solicitation or commissions, but he is so easy and, and fun to work with and he is so amenable and adaptable to whatever you want. So, you know, graphic design, please go to Katie. Um, you know, any sort of music needs, Jordan's your guy. Um, yeah, he is one of those creative minds that 
floors me and I've grown up in the creative world. Yeah. And the other thing I will say is just an open ask. Like I, for a couple of different things. So, you know, if, if you are a, a small business pin owner, shop owner, designer, creator, however you want to define yourself, if you're someone who is involved in the creation, design, selling of pins, and like you want to just share anything about that, if it's a specific pin that you've got coming up, or you just want to talk generally about what inspired you to get involved in this world in the first place, let me know. Shoot me a DM at the pin pod, uh, email me at the pin pod at gmail.com. Look, our episodes, I, I'm trying to keep them short. I'm trying to keep them to half an hour max. So recording will take like 30 to 40 minutes. You know, bing, bang, boom, you're on with your day. Um, you know, I, I certainly am reaching out to as many people as I can, but I also know I don't know everybody. So if you're someone who, who would want to talk, let's do it. Um, and, you know, the second ask is, you know, if, if you're a collector, right? If you're someone who just enjoys pins and, and again, doesn't have to be someone who's a mega collector like Amy or Rihanna, if you're someone who just has an interest and a passion about pins and wants to share your wisdom or advice, let me know. I'm so happy to, to get your perspective and, and bring it to whatever audience I have. Um, and I guess the final ask, I know I said two, but three. Um, again, I'm trying my hardest to find as many upcoming pin releases and pre-sales and Kickstarters and pin drops and all these things as I can. Um, but at the end of the day, my employer pays me to do work in the consumer healthcare space and not in the Disney and Harry Potter podcast space. So, you know, if if either you're a designer um, or you're just a you know, run-of-the-mill Instagram person and you see a pin drop or something on Instagram, you see a pin release on Facebook or whatever, send it my way. There's the, you know, I've had people asking, like, what's the process to get to get my pin featured on your story? There, there, there's no process, I promise you. The process is as simple, uh, simple as either I find it and I post it or you let me know when I post it. Either way, it's going up. Um, this is not check out Steven's favorite pins. This is this is the world of pins. I try to put countdowns on every single story I have where there's a time and a date deadline so people can be reminded. Um, you know, but I'm not, I am, I am pin agnostic in the sense that I'm not just sharing favorites. I'm sharing any and everything I can find. Do you have any favorite pins? Ones that you own or ones that you are searching for? I know that's a hard, vague question because I know you have a lot. Or maybe it's just a series that you really enjoy. Well, you see, it's a tricky question because I have a lot and a lot of them are just kind of either in random boxes as I'm in between homes right now, or they're kind of just like scattered askew on like the nightstand I have here in my parents' guest room. I mean, I, I don't know if I would point out any specific one pin. What I will say is Toy Story and Lion King are the two biggest franchises for me. Like those are foundational, definitional, you know, not definitional, that's not a word, definitive, that's the word. Those are, they're, they're foundational and, and definitive, you know, franchises who, who, that are core to who I am. So I, I am trying to build up those collections, certainly. And I, I think with Disney, as far as collecting goes for me, I'm a lot more targeted at what I'm collecting, um, partially because I don't necessarily love like every single Disney franchise, but also because I haven't seen every single Disney franchise. Um, and so, you know, I, I have got a lot of, I've got a lot of the little green men that, you know, the aliens from, from Toy Story, you know, Buzz and Woody. Um, so, you know, so I guess I'll shout out a couple different Toy Story related um, 
pins I've got so far. So uh, Disney Chris um, on Instagram, um, happiestpinsonearth.com. They just did a series of these little, um, like little like romantic portraits, if you will. Um, so there's one with uh, Woody and Bo Peep. Um, there's one with Buzz and Jesse and, oh God, I'm forgetting. the th- It's the potato heads. That's who it is. Um, and there's some little things in the background too, like the little green men, the Pixar ball, stuff like that. Um, that pin series is incredible. I'm so excited. I got my hands on that. Um, I don't have it yet, but you know, I, I purchased it. It's on its way. Um, otherwise I, I collect a lot of, in terms of the, the toy story and Lion King stuff, a lot of just official. So the difference, Oh boy, I'm just rambling at this point. The difference between Disney and Harry Potter, at least so far is that Disney has so many different channels through, through which they push official Disney pins, right? So pins that are made, by the Walt Disney Company, trademarked by the Walt Disney Company in some way, shape, or form, right? That can vary from releases exclusive to Walt Disney World or uh, Disney Shanghai. They can be, um, you know, Walt Disney Imagineering, the Disney Hollywood Store, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. There's so many of those. And there's also tons of people who make great great fantasy pins, but for me, at least, it's been predominantly on the Disney side, finding official Disney pins from various places, um, I'd be remiss for all the big fat live sale fans if I didn't mention from Japan. Uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, go listen to a big fat live sale next time one's on. I promise you will get very drunk. On the Harry Potter side of the house, at least so far, the majority of the buzz and the excitement and the interest there has been on fantasy pins. So pins made just by people like you or me. Um, certainly, there are a lot of universal pins that are released Um that that people get super excited about and there's ones that have been retired and are now are exclusive because of that um from the parks there's also kind of a handful but not a lot of pins from way back in the day when warner brothers was first doing a lot of the merchandising around sorcerer's stone um, and then of course they've done some licensing agreements with loot crate or things like that where they're technically official pins but at least from my perspective a lot of the buzz there has been from just you know fan culture so I mean, the, you know, the people who not only, in my opinion, are some of the bigger, but also people who I genuinely have affection for and whose work I love. You know, I mean, it, it has to, that, that list has to start with Amy at Witherwings Wears and, and I'd be, I'd be a fool if I didn't. Um, I just got, she did the Luna ceiling with, with all of Luna's friends, right? Harry, the Weasleys, Hermione, right? I just got it in hand today. It's this gorgeous circular pin. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's beautiful. Her work is great. Stina at Laser Brain Patchco, the beans are all anyone's talking about nowadays. The beans are this rabbit. The the beans are insane. The beans are absolutely insane. I'm really um, waiting for you to sing into the woods while talking about beans. Beans, beans, nothing but beans, parsley, pepper. Yeah. Um, all right, but it wasn't quite. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but she also, I mean, look, Stina does a ton of things beyond just Harry Potter. And I know we have her, I don't know by the time you've listened to this, if you will have heard that episode yet, but either we had an episode with Stina, Amy, and Yana you should listen to, or we will have one coming up with Stina, Amy, and Yana you should listen to. She does these beautiful, different themed Harry Potter teacups with different, you know, symbolic things from, from the Potter series. Um, yeah, Stina is great. Um, otherwise, there's so many. I mean, look, Swish and Flick does incredible pins. They have a ton of Weasley pins that I love, like the Weasley twins, like Weasley Wizard Wheezes. 
Oddment and Tweak does some really beautiful work. You know, I think um, uh, Bunsen Bean does some really cool Harry Potter pins. You know, I, I this is one series that I got into recently uh, um, that I really, really, it was from the Wondrous Wizard Weekend, which was like a Magic from Hong Kong, but specifically organized by pin designers and kind of for Harry Potter pin enthusiasts. Um, I'm going to pull up real quick. I don't want to miss anyone on the list. There was a group of seven different creators that each made their own chocolate frog card pin for this weekend and they're gorgeous. So uh, Kim Shi creative did a, a Victor crumb pin. And what I love about that is Victor kind of has the Michael Jackson, Jerry curl going for him. And he's got that kind of cool look to him. I love that laser brain. Stina did fluid de la cour and it's, she is delicate. She is Everything she's she is exactly who Fleur is in the books come to life on this pin. Um, Oddment and Tweak, you know, did did my boy Cedric, who deserved better. Not from Oddment and Tweak, they did as well as they can. I'm talking about JKR there. <laughs> he deserved better from JKR. Um, the pin studio did a wonderful Megalian McGonagall. Sunset Road Co. Nikki did Professor R.J. Lupin nailed him. Uh, Sarah Costco did Tonks, which low-key might... Mm, I love her, and I love the next one. Did this awesome Tonks, and she is punk. She's, you know, she's, got, the, she's got the rock and roll thing going, the hair. It's, it's great. And then uh, the Jaime twins uh, did Celestina Warbeck. And yeah, I, they did this amazing series as part of this weekend. And, and look, I've only scratched the surface of all the incredible pin designers and, and people out there in the Harry Potter space. But that's all to say that at least as of right now, I know the Wizarding World, the Harry Potter fan club, the official, the official Harry Potter fan club just announced a, a new pin trading series they're releasing. It looks like they're trying to move into the space, kind of like Disney Disney has. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Danny is shaking her head for the listeners. I, I have no problem. I don't think they're trying to replace anything in the Harry Potter pin community. Like, whereas I think a lot of kind of the official Wizarding World's moves in the past outside of pins have been, for lack of a better word, predatory. Um, I, I think what they're doing is kind of what Disney's always done, which is have a lot of different venues and channels through which they can have official pins um, as a value add, not a replacement. That seems right. I'm, look, I can be very wrong. I think both of us ordered a pin set from them. I ordered a couple because someone wanted one who doesn't have gold, and I said I would I would hook that girl up. Uh, I'm like, last time I talked to you, you only ordered the Hufflepuff. Yeah, no, I only ordered for myself. I ordered the Hufflepuff set, and then I ordered the Godric Gryffindor sword and the Hogwarts Express because those were super cool. Um, but yeah, then I ordered... Literally, <laughs> for for a friend of mine who who doesn't have Wizarding World gold but wanted the pins, um, I ordered the Gryffindor set, and then I uh, this person also wanted every single of the individual pins that was being sold. So I ordered like in total that day. I'm afraid like, like 17, 18, 19 different pins. Um, it was nuts, but it, it, look, that's what you do. Um, boy, I've. If you listen to these podcast episodes because you love when I go on long rants, you are going to love this episode. If you're not into it when I just start talking and never stop, God, I am sorry. All right. So we're going to go into some random questions because we always ask questions and then no one knows our own answers. 
Sometimes we do. Like we, we, we very well know your Dumbledore opinions. I'm not going to ask that question. It's not necessary. But there's a few that we've asked and we haven't given our own answers. So now is your time to shine. So let's start relatively easily. If you attended Hogwarts, what club or group of some sort would you create? Would I create? Oh, God, that's a good question. Probably, well, in the books, at least, and in that one scene in the movies, there is a, it's a frog choir, but there's a choir. So I, you know, I would be in the choir. Would I create an acapella group? Probably. Uh, the other answer that came to mind kind of, you know, a first thought was some form of like a speaker's union, like a, a not necessarily a debate club, but, you know, like a, a public speaking forum. That, the Toastmasters? Right. Uh, I don't like, yes, <laughs> yes, but I hate everything about Toastmasters. Um, Toastmasters is this antiquated <laughs> yeah. product of the past that just evokes images of middle-aged men in oversized plaid jackets who go and are super timid and try to learn how to speak publicly. We have a group at my work and they're always trying to get us to join. No, look, like the same way that at least this is not canon. This is kind of what I assume. The same way that I assume like Dumbledore and Grindelwald growing up had these like just super, like they, they would just sit around and just debate philo- like, p- like political philosophy together. Mm-hmm. I would love something like that where anyone can get up and just, you know, present a persuasive perspective. Okay. Um, about anything. Almost right? like about, a speech class type like a speech, Yeah, exactly. But diving so, yeah. deeper than freshman year speech persuasion. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I the inspiration for me is one of the paths not taken for me was going to the university of Richmond. Um, and one of the reasons I was so uh, uh, fascinated by, by the college was they had a, a persuasive public speaking course where in the middle of the room was this big bowl of sorts, basin, whatever you want to call it. And if you were using too many, um, as I just did, too many filler words or articles or things like that, people would, you know, kind of drop rocks in there, right? And it's it's a, it's like a psychological conditioning where you learn how to become a better public speaker through that. And so I'm not saying I'd want to do that exactly, but that sort of that sort of public speaking kind of debate society to me would be fascinating. I won't be part of your club. I really enjoy how you said this was like an easy question to start. And I've really gotten into some, to some fairly, <laughs> fairly intense nuance there. That's okay. I enjoyed the answer. Snape, hero or villain? Oh, I mean, he has to be a villain for me at the end of the day. As I think I've tried to articulate before in the podcast, because I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with, you know, he, he, he was Harry's protector. I'm also totally on board with him hating Harry for everything Harry stood for. Where you lose me with Snape is everything he did towards every other student who wasn't a Slytherin. That that that's where you lose the plot. I'm I'm so fine. Just I mean, look, I'm not fine. I I I I 100% understand the vitriol he shows for Harry, despite being Harry's protector, because of everything Harry stands for. Both the fact that he is the reason that the love of that the love of Snape's life is dead but also that he is the physical and in many ways personality embodiment of the bully that Snape put up with at school. I get it. But when you, when you listen and you read and you, you get into everything that Snape did to all the other students we saw, 
right? Be it Neville, be it Hermione, be it anyone who wasn't a Slytherin. It's 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 appalling. It's never mind fireable offense. I'd I'd put the man in prison. Um, and so yeah, he he has to be a villain for me because of that. All right, and then you asked this one recently, and so I'm stealing it. What things were changed in the movie that was not in the books that you enjoyed? I was pretty proud of myself when I asked that question. I like that one. I wish I had a good answer prepared. Um, you know, I, I, I really, uh, to, to kind of tie a knot in this episode, I really enjoy, and I know you get some of it in, in, you know, on page in Half-Blood Prince, and this might not be the best answer that comes to mind, but it's certainly the first one for me. I love how cocky Ron gets once he's finally getting some um, in the movies. Because in some way, shape, or form, I, I think we've all been there, right? Where and, and certainly you can limit the metaphor here to just talking about some form of, of sexual interaction, but even beyond that, right, where where something that you've not had, right, be it maybe, you, you know, for instance, the summer going into my freshman year of high school, I was not invited to any of the varsity soccer workouts. And a couple of my buddies who were in my year and on my, you know, on my middle school team and my club teams were, and I was heartbroken. And freshman year, when, when it started, like when preseason officially started, after the first day of JV practice, I was asked to come to varsity. And I made the team. And I remember I literally carried my jersey in my backpack around me when I got my jersey for the first month. And I walked around with such a strut. Right. And so Ron certainly is happy because he's he's getting his uh he, he he's he's getting his his carrot stick touched. Um I was trying to think of something that was red and phallic, and that was the best I came up with, and it really wasn't that good. Um yeah, but we've all been there where you find where you've been deprived of something, you haven't had something, and you've wanted it for so long, right? And then you finally get it. That feeling of just being on top of the world and like nothing can touch you. We've all felt that. And in the movie Half Blood Prince, you see that. Oh my God, do you see that? I mean, Ron is just, you know, he is he's on cloud nine. So I really like that. I think that was something that was embellished in the movies that wasn't necessarily in the books nearly as much. So opposite question, what scene from the books would you have liked to see in the movie? And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be like this big, huge plot point, but maybe there was like a scene that you were like, that was cute. I would love to have seen that. I don't think you'd use the term cute though. <sighs> see, the problem for me here is that I really haven't read the books in a long while now. And so I'm struggling to think, I, I'm sure there are hundreds upon hundreds that would just pop off the page immediately if I started reading the books. Um, so the most egregious for me has to be the lack of the Marauder backstory in Prisoner of Azkaban. And not just because I want to see it in Prisoner of Azkaban, but because I really think, and you know, I think a lot of the future movies kind of suffer from the sins of the father, right? Because you don't get the Marauder backstory as fully in Prisoner of Azkaban, right? You're not nearly as invested in Sirius, who is really missing from all of Goblet of Fire, right? Then you don't really understand a lot of the Snape hatred as it goes further into Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. You really don't get anything about Snape 
being in love with Lily too much. Like you have the one always scene and you have him cradling her body. Like, but the lack of the Marauder backstory and, and the way that that was kind of just shunted to the side, I think really sets up a lot of the failures of the future films. Um, and, 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 you know, that, that is disappointing for me. Thank you for answering all those questions. Yeah. It's kind of like when you watch episodes of the late show with Stephen Colbert and he has John Stewart sit at the chair and interview him or, or Trevor Noah did one. I think um, John Oliver's done a handful and the questioner becomes the questionee. It's bizarre. People want to know who you are. I do. They though, they've heard enough of me over mm-hmm. this like f- damn near 40 episode run. No, they do. You're good people. Uh, look, I try. I, <laughs> I try. I, I don't know whether I succeed or not. I don't know whether it's my place to even take a stab, whether I've succeeded. Um, but I try. Do you have any other creators? We've had quite the list. Are there any others that you would like to shout out, even if it's more pin people, since that's kind of what this episode is revolving around? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm going to rehash some names I said earlier, and I'm also going to rehash a lot of things I've talked about in previous episodes. Um, I'm, I am not trying to leave anyone out or exclude anyone. Cause I think so many people have been incredibly helpful as I've started this pin pod journey. Um, but just some of the names that kind of come to mind first, again, top of the list has to be Amy and Iana at the litany of Instagrams that, that, that they can be found at, um, you know, big fat lanyards, uh, nerd pinsta with wings, wears. I, I would not, I would not have this podcast if not for them a hundred percent full stop. Um, never mind the fact that they collect some beautiful pins and they have beautiful pin boards and frames and displays. And, you know, they are, they are an eternal source of truth on pins. Um, they quite frankly, in my opinion, have like seen it all when it comes to pins, right? Like they, they know what a pin's value is. They know what a pin's trade value is. They know where a pin comes from. They know what series the pin was a part of. They could talk your ear off about it. Um, the live sales are some of the most joyful moments I have each and every week whenever they have them on Instagram. Amy and Yana mean the world to me. Um, I would also, you know, again, I referenced it earlier, but again, one of the reasons I'm starting this podcast is because of a specific conversation I had with Stina uh, from Laser Brain Patchco. She's incredible. Um, you know, Lex, our good friend, Lex Potter, has been super enthusiastic and energetic and 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 encouraging kind of just one-on-one to me over the past couple of months here. Um, and, and I feed off that energy and I love her for it. Um, you know, Amanda magic under the stairs is someone who I love during the big fat live sales. We're always both there. We're always both commenting. We're, we're talking to each other. Um, she has definitely become like a kindred spirit for me as I've gotten more into the pin world If you haven't heard her on the podcast that released today as a recording date, go listen to it. Um, Today would be, what are we on? August 27th? Yeah. Yes. August 27th. Otherwise, look, I mean, there are so many creators. I I couldn't even, you know, try. You know, I, you know, I'll, I'll just give credit where credit is due. So, you know, the first episode that I have, ever recorded for the pin pod. And I don't know if it'll be the first we release. I really don't, you know, can't speak to that yet, but um, 
Maddie from from Maddie and Magic, who is doing this incredible Kickstarter around um, kind of memories and and scenes, kind of from each of the books, packaged in a pin in pins that are potion vials and 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 the like. Um, she was my first ever episode, right? I'm always going to remember that. Um, she's incredible. Her Kickstarter, I think she's raised more than $14,000 out of her original goal of 500. Um, and this is her first venture into the pin world. Um, like she is not someone who has made pins for you know, three years now. And is like, yeah, established and got a system. She's, this is, this is her, you know, first at bat. Um, and she was so fun to talk to. And she was so, it was just great hearing her talk about, her process and her inspiration and, and what this means to her and kind of what she hopes to bring to the community. And like I said earlier, there are damn near hundreds of accounts I could shout out for people who are making incredible pins, collecting incredible pins, displaying incredible pins. Um, so I'm not even going to try, you know, I, my hope is that every episode of the pin pod that I release is, you know, in and of itself, a creator shout out. Who is your creator shout out for the episode? What the hell? Fine. I do have one. Yeah, you just were about to wrap up there. Excuse me, guest. Calm yourself. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to shout out Catacorn Ivy. She recently did a Patronus set that I had actually been following for a bit there. Um they're very fun. The coloring is fun. They might be glow in the dark. I'm not positive, but she is worth checking out. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. It was an ultimate pleasure and I, fu- I fully enjoyed it. Thank you for being on, even though you really had no choice. I mean, look, I did technically have a choice. I could have just not logged on to the Zoom. I would have eventually gotten you on under false pretenses. That's probably fair. I mean, you could have always hung up, but you wouldn't have done that. No, no, no. Always, always be plugging, baby. On that, can you please inform our listeners where we can find you and your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I'm not even going to throw out the muggle and khakis because, God, we have covered that territory. The Pin Pod is the Instagram. That's it. The Pin Pod. Um, again, I want it to be a source of truth for all upcoming pin drops and releases, a place where you can learn about some really cool pins that people are putting out in the Harry Potter and Disney space. If you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, ideas, you want to come on a pod, you want to tell me about something, uh, either slide into the DMs or shoot me an email at thepinpod at gmail.com. And that is our show. Thank you, Stephen. Goodbye. You get to be a host again. Thank God.